Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. We are looking at the book of 1 Peter and chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. So a few months ago, we started going through the book of 1 Peter, and we got through chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. And this month, we are going to finish up 1 Peter. We're going to tackle chapter 5 today. And then the rest of the month, we're going to tackle the book of 2 Peter. Lily is not happy about that, but she is only one vote, and it doesn't count. So... What we are doing is we are tackling um, the rest of First Peter today, and then the rest of this month we're going to look at the book of Second Peter. So we've already looked at the first four chapters, and so this is this is the end of Peter's first letter to the church, and he's got some interesting things that he wants to say, some wrap up thoughts that he wants to leave. This is. He's writing the letter, he's made his point, and now he wants to remind everybody about the most important things that they have to remember, and he's got to get it in before the end of the letter. Um, how many of you have ever seen um, a movie, it, it's, it's not that popular, it, it was kind of obscure, but anybody ever seen a movie called The Lion King? A few of you, a few of you. When you watch that movie, there are quite a few lions in it, aren't there? And they're all animated, and they're cute, and they're cool, and they're like, you just, you just want to go find a lion and hug him, don't you? Anybody? Nobody? Nobody wants to go and hug a lion? Seriously? There's, yes, yes. Some of you watched that movie and have watched that movie, and you ended up thinking it would be so much fun to sleep in a den with the lions because they are just so cool and so cute and so smart. Right? Well, there are, there are other movies about lions. And there are movies based on books about lions where sometimes the lions, like you go to the zoo and you see them, or you, you, you watch documentaries about them in the, in the wild, and that's fine. But there are sometimes, and have been in history, times when lions have not been focused mainly on hunting the gazelles, but are considered what they call man-eaters. And there are there are several books out there about them, and some of these lions have been so deadly um, that they are world famous even a hundred plus years after they were around. There were, there were lions that were killing dozens of people. A pair of lions, one story ha- tells about a couple lions who killed dozens of people. Sometimes we think that lions are this 
powerful image. We, we think, oh, they're kind of cool. They've got this, this, neat, this neat image to them. Or we watch movies and we think, oh, they're cute and cuddly. We go to the zoo and they're just there. They're just laying there. But the reality is that sometimes there are lions that are exceptionally dangerous. And that they have the taste for human blood and that is what they crave. And not only do they have that desire, but they are exceptionally efficient at killing. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be alert and sober and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In our lives, we come up against lots of situations. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. And, and Peter wants to make a, a, a simple point in this statement to us. And he's saying that as you go through your life and as you're dealing with the different situations you come up against, you don't need to be afraid, but you need to understand that there is a lion out there hunting you. And it may not be a physical lion. There may not be somebody physically chasing you. But the enemy wants to pull you away from Christ. The enemy wants to pull you away from your faith. The enemy wants to pull you away from God. And he wants to get you off that track. And not only does he just want to be an inconvenience to you, he wants to rip you apart. He wants to consume you. He wants to devour you. And he does this through all sorts of temptations. One temptation that he, he likes to throw at us is thinking that because we have earned some sort of authority or power that we have the right then to abuse it, to use it over other people and get them to give us what we want. And that might be a position where you're in the church and you have authority in the church. It may be a position that you have at work. It may be your, your position even at home. It may be just with your, your social circle. Maybe it's politically, whatever it is. But you have earned for some reason, somehow, you have earned some amount of authority. Maybe you're just older than other people and, you have, and that gives you a certain amount of honor and authority and you have that. And we start to think there's this, this thought that enters this mind, this temptation that enters our mind that says, because you have that authority, you can use the, that authority for your own personal benefit. Maybe you don't need to work as much. Maybe you can use that to get the luxuries that you've always wanted, the life that you've always wanted. Maybe you get to say, you know what, I've put my time in, I don't need to do those jobs. And I can just, because I'm in this place now, I can just make everybody else do the terrible jobs. And you start to pull away and you start to use other people to benefit you. Other times... Other times it's not so much about having that authority, but you, you are just convinced that maybe you're younger, maybe you're smarter, maybe you're just better skilled than other people. 
Maybe you're, you're, you're young and, and, and you've got lots of energy and you're healthy and you think, you know what, I don't need to listen to other people because they're, they don't know what they're talking about. They're, they're thinking in old ways or they're thinking in, in wrong ways. And, and, and I have things figured out and I have things together and I'm smart enough and I am capable enough and I'm trained enough that I don't need to pay attention to anybody else. I don't need to take their advice. I don't need to go searching for advice. I don't need to be told what to do or how to do it. And I can ignore all those warnings that all these crazy people out there are talking about. I don't need to worry about my marriage. I don't need to worry about my finances. I don't need to worry about uh, my job or how I come across or how I'm going to raise my kids. I don't, I'm not going to think about any of that. I'm not going to take that advice from all those other people because they don't really know what they're talking about. I know better than them. And we are hit with this temptation to be filled with pride and to ignore everybody else. Sometimes, and this is a real twisted one, sometimes we fall and start to fall for that temptation of self-pity. When we start to think about all the hard things that we go through in life, and whether that's a social thing where we're dealing with friends or social conflict, maybe it's about job and we're thinking about either how much we're not paid compared to what we put in or we're dealing with, with bosses or coworkers that are, are just really frustrating or, or attack us or pick on us or maybe somebody is attacking you because of your faith. Maybe it's inside your family. But some, something is happening. Something is happening in your life and you feel attacked. You feel burdened. Maybe it's your health and, and your health is going, going, uh, going downhill. And you're, you're just you're feeling the weight of these hard things in your life. And you start to hear these whispers that say, you know what, these hard things are happening to you. Poor, pitiful you. You should feel sorry for yourself. Everyone else should feel sorry for you. You're allowed to think about how hard life is. You're allowed to think about how horrible things are for you. And the temptation leads to being consumed with your own pain, with your own hurt, with your own problems. And you start to ignore everybody else. You, you, you don't even notice other people's problems. And if you do see their problems, then they pale in comparison to yours. And we get overwhelmed with poor, pitiful me. It's just too hard. It's too hard to keep following Jesus. It's too hard to keep living this life. It's too hard to continue standing against the cultural pressures. It's just too hard. And other times we are hit with the temptation to just to just sit in what is good. And make life all about the good things that you can have. 
You just live your life saying, you know what, things are coming together, things are going well, and I'm just going to coast until I die. I'm going to enjoy life until I die. And you know what, I'm not going to worry about putting extra work in. I'm not going to worry about anything else. I'm just going to use everything I have to have the best life I can possibly have for me now, and I'm just going to live it up. And I don't need to do anything more. I don't need to do anything extra. I can just enjoy all the good things and I'm going to use all the resources I can to have the house or the car or the vacations or the luxuries or the free time or whatever that I can have. And I'm going to live, live it up for the short time I have on earth. And we fall for this temptation that... Life is about what you can get out of it. All of those things lead you to lowering your guard. You think, oh, I'm, just, I'm not going to worry about putting the work in. I'm just going to focus on myself and what I can get out of it. And I'm not going to put any more effort. I'm just going to be lazy. You've lowered your guard. Oh, poor pitiful me. I'm so horrible. Blue, blue, blue. You lower your guard. You forget to keep your eyes up and look around. You think, I don't need to take advice. You stop listening. You think, I don't need, I am here to use everybody else. You stop watching your back. And the enemy sneaks in and he whispers these temptations. And he is not whispering these temptations just to inconvenience you. He's not whispering these temptations just to be an annoyance. He is whispering you these temptations to you because he is going around roaring so he can devour you. The reality is, even though we have the victory of Christ in our lives, even though we do not need to live a life of fear, absolutely, we do not need to live a life of fear, we are not out of the woods yet. We are not out of the woods yet. One story I read about uh, two guys trying to hunt down a man-eater. They knew how fast the lion could be. They knew that this lion had killed multiple people. And he had a gun, and his, his assistant had, had a spear, and they were tracking this lion, and the, the guy's assistant, he, he froze up, and he said, you know what, I can smell, I can smell the lion. And they both went on high alert, and before they knew it, the lead hunter turned, and the lion was right there. He got one shot off, but the lion was still coming. And his assistant managed to distract the lion. The lion came for him, and the assistant only survived because he was able to shove his arm in the lion's mouth and create a bit of an obstacle there to let the other man get the spear. And then as the lion is chewing on this guy's arm, he managed to get the spear and kill the lion. They almost didn't make it. These were experienced 
hunters. These are, these are men who knew the bush. They knew the wild. They knew the lions. They knew the threat. They had the gear they needed. And still, even though they were totally prepared for this fight, the lions snuck up on them and they barely made it out alive. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So this is what Peter says. He's writing this letter to the church and he's saying, listen, there's this enemy out there and you've got to be on your guard. And he doesn't say, you just need to be afraid, you need to be scared. This is what he says. He says a couple things and then I'm going to read the whole chapter for us. He says, resist him, resist the devil standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Resist the devil and stand fast in the grace of God. This is what the whole chapter, I'm going to read the whole chapter because I think it applies to what we're talking about. I think it's something we need to hear. Peter finishes his letter and he says this, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To Him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet, another, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all, to all of you who are in Christ. 
Peter flushes it out. He says, you are not supposed to abuse your power. You that have authority in your work or at home or in the church or wherever you are, you are not there and you do not have that authority to, have, to use other people to bless you. You are there to be an example to them. Whether that's at home or at your job or in your social circle or at the church, wherever it is that God has granted you authority, it may be at school, and you have influence, you are there to be an example to other people, not to use those people to bless you. You are to be a good shepherd to them. Peter says, It doesn't matter if you're young and smart and energetic and can figure things out. You are not here to think that you're better than other people. You are not here to be filled with pride and to ignore what's going on. No, you need to look to those who are above you, those, who, those of you who are older than you, those of you who are wiser and more experienced, and you need to be humble, and you need to seek insight, and you need to get information, and you need to be open to correction, and you need to be willing to take that correction to get better and better and better. You need humility to grow. Peter says, life can be hard, absolutely. There is suffering in this life. But the suffering that you're going through is the same suffering that everybody goes through. And that suffering actually is small compared to the suffering that Christ has suffered for you. Christ suffered more And it is His strength that you have. And so you are able to endure through that suffering. Stick together. Hold on together. Don't quit. Don't run. Don't give up. And don't fall for the temptation that says, oh, I can focus on me. It's all about me. Poor pitiful me. Because you are not the only one suffering. And you are not here alone. Hold your faith. Don't give up. Keep reaching out. He says, those of you who are just coasting through life, coasting through your faith, he says, wake up. Be alert and of sober mind. Be awake. Be alert. You've got to be watching. You've got to be aware of the tactics of the enemy. You've got to be aware that there is a lion on the prowl. A man-eater is coming for you. You don't need to be afraid. You have Christ. You have the armor of God. You do not need to be full of fear, but you need to be aware that the enemy is there and that if you are not prepared for the attack, you may lose that battle. So you don't need to be afraid. You just need to make sure that he doesn't come up behind you. The worship team's going to come up. And we're going to spend some more time in worship here today. But what I want us to get 
is that we are not out of the woods yet. I don't want you to leave here full of fear, but I want you to leave here with your eyes open. You need to know that the enemy is out there and he's coming for us. And he can't beat Christ. But if we let our guard down, if we're not paying attention, we may miss his attacks. And he's not coming at us just to bug us. He's coming at us to devour us. Be alert. Be aware. Don't give up. We're not out of the woods yet. We will be. We will be. But not yet. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways. Mm-hmm.